0: Good morning. Today's reading is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 to 10. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the work of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that, though the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Dee. Good morning. It's great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and it's uh, yeah great to all be here together. And um, uh, also, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, just a a heads up: I have a speech impediment. Um, There it is, a little example for you. Um, It's good though to share that, uh, so you know. I actually officiated a wedding um, last night, and some of you were there. Maybe Um, I know a a couple folks from here were there, but yeah. couple from our church that was very exciting, good to, and I'm um, honored to get to officiate that, but I didn't give the warning that I have a stutter, and um, some people started chuckling at first, and then, um, so I just want to say, and then I always know, and I'm like, you're going to feel a l- little silly in a couple minutes when you figure it out, um, so now you know, okay, you can laugh with me not at me, I'll come at you like a spider monkey, no, um, it's, uh, anyway, it's, um, we have a really fun morning together as we get into our time in um, Ephesians chapter three, verses seven through, through ten, and um, yeah, excited to get into it, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me there to Ephesians chapter three, verse seven, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up so somebody can get you a copy of God's word, e- En español, si um, quiere la Biblia en español y no tienes, um, no tiene. Por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Um, y si no tiene una Biblia, um, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo. Grace, um, someone helped me with my conjugating, and so that's why I'm kind of going through it. I'm trying to get it, trying to get it just right. Um, senor, you got a Boyd, I'm looking at you. It's a little help. She taught my one of my kids at least in in second grade, I think. Um, anyway, if you don't have a Bible, you do now. Okay, keep this. It's our gift. To you, we want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can keep and follow along with, and understand, and make their own, um, and and submit to God's word. And that's again something that if you weren't in here when we announced, there's a trough up here, um, which is a baptismal, and we're excited. We have a baptism service, and um, we'll explain more about that toward the end. But but um, consider if you are a follower of Jesus and you've never been. Baptized, Um, as it says in Acts chapter eight, um, between Philip and the Ethiopian, he says, here is water, uh, what is preventing me from being baptized? So we, we would uh, submit that, encourage you that. If uh, here is w- w- water, if you're a follower of Jesus, um, we invite you and encourage you to be baptized. And like David said, I love that image of it's not to jump in. I was picturing the sandlot. Uh, we, we watch that a lot in our house. And the part where, where um, Ham, um, you, you know, he goes, ball, and his voice kind of cracks. So that's what I was picturing. So let's pray together that uh, my mind wouldn't be distracted by that kind of thing and um, that we would really get into our time together in Ephesians, okay? And and again, submit to God's word um, because we believe and trust that though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Um, Thank you that even in some of the... back and forth. Um we can kind of joke and someone yelled do it and kind of different stuff like that and we can as we often say take you seriously but not ourselves, Lord that we can joke and take ourselves really lightly. Um but but Lord, we do take you very seriously as the creator of all. The the one um who as I just read in um in the old testament um you uh lord people trembled in your presence and um were offering sacrifices and would stop every so many steps to 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 remember your glory and, and um so lord we pray that we would have that posture and that through your spirit you would lead us individually and communally to understand who we are as your people uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name amen so um, we probably all have um, jobs that we've held in, at one point or in another that come to mind. Of like, that was a crazy job. I can't believe I actually did that, or I can't believe someone paid me for that, or I can't believe I did that while someone was paying me for you know uh, for this job I was supposed to be doing, or whatever it is. Um, I have a bunch of those, like some crazy jobs I could share some other time with you, but one um, sticks out to me um, especially you 'll see in a minute as I was reading this um, it stuck out to me one summer, uh, my junior year of college between my junior and senior year of college, I knew I was um, gonna uh, propose to my now wife Kira, and we were um, we were at that point some of you might even be there okay this is a little side little pastoral moment for some of you maybe dating we were at some such a point where we were either like fighting so much because of the tension and the, and the knowledge that we were called to be married, but for whatever reason, usually kind of external pressures um, or kind of societal norms, we were like, well, we can't yet, you know, so we were just grinding it in, our, in terms of our relationship and our, our conversations and stuff, and, and so I knew, man, like we got to get married, like God's call, either it's time to break it or make it, you know, put a ring on it, um, and so that was what, where we went, but I was you know, um, didn't have much money and was um, needed to earn a lot of money in a short time. So that summer here in Tucson, I worked t- t- two jobs. I worked construction, and if you know me at all, I'm, no one would trust me with any tools other than a shovel and a pickaxe. So I basically did that for a summer um, all morning, and then I worked a job in the evening. Um, David Wagner, one of the elders here who was up here just earlier, um, he got me a job at Watson Chevrolet. So at a, at a car, dude dealership, and so again, they didn't trust me with much, so I just kind of cleaned cars. It was called a P-tailer, but you basically clean cars. And I didn't get to clean all the cars. There were some cars in the entryway that um, only like the really good people could wash, because they had a really important purpose. Uh, David probably got to wash them. It It was basically like the Corvettes and the Camaros. So again, Watson, Chevrolet, but they put like their kind of primary cars in the front, to kind of grandstand who they were, like what this place is all about. So even if you're going in there buying a, you know, used 1985 Chevy Malibu, you see these Corvettes and you know what this place is all about. Like you know where you are and of course the idea is like Hey, you could have one of these or something close to it. Like, oh really you just want this? But but the ownership was really intentional about that to have these cars pristine, washed, shining, all the lights, right, the bright white floors, everything just kind of puts on display what this is all about. And that is a picture of what God is doing through his church. Okay, as we've been walking through Ephesians, we've been seeing this whole idea of of the good news of Jesus, the gospel on display in and through his people and and to the world. And what we see this morning is that the church, okay, that's God's people. The church is God's clearest display of what we'll see here is, is referred to as his manifold wisdom to the entire world, both that which is seen and that which is not seen, okay? Everything we see around us, and then the spiritual realm, which we'll talk about in a moment, that everything that God is, again, kind of grandstanding, God is showing, this is who I am, and this is what I'm all about, and he chooses you and me, his people, his church, to be his clearest display of his manifold wisdom throughout the world. And so that's where we now pick up as we've been walking through what it means to be God's people, his church. Um, Again, picking up in verse 7 together. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his Now, if you were here last week, you might recall we ended in verse 7, right? Like we went through verses 4 through 7. And in this week, we're beginning in verse 7 because there's some overlap there. And we covered a Bunch of what's um, what's being taught there in in verse seven l- last week in terms of when the author here Paul says um, the the gift that I have been been that I have been given the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of His power and we kind of you know talked about some of that but something that we didn't because I was kind of saving it for right now is um it begins with this this phrase of this gospel. I was made a minister. This gospel. So Paul is talking about something, right? He says this gospel. Well, what's he referring to? Is he just like, if you're looking in your Bibles, go up to verses 8 and 9 with me. Um, Some of us uh, are prone, and, and myself certainly included, even as we read through Ephesians, are, um, are, are, are prone to think this is all he's referring to. This is the gospel, the full gospel. I'll just read it, I don't even have it up here, but just kinda read along with me. Chapter two, verses eight and nine says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Right, M- Many of us have maybe heard the gospel. We've, we've, we've interacted in such a way. And so when, when Paul here says of this gospel, I became a minister, we think that's what he's saying. But again, we need to understand that this letter was written and was meant to be read and heard in such a way that you would just follow along all the way through. So this gospel that he's referring to is much fuller than just verses 8 and 9. Okay. Now, on the flip side, hear me on this. Okay, it's you don't just take out verses eight and nine. Okay, this and that's referred to kind of theology as justification. All right, being made right with God. That those two verses really hammer that home, and that's absolutely essential. But it's bigger. So, what is this gospel that Paul is referring to? Well, it's the whole enchilada. Okay, the whole deal. Um, I got to even put these on so I don't get it wrong here. Um, All the way back in chapter 2, verse 1, began this whole section where he he lays out this gospel that he's referring to. And I'm just going to walk through it. I believe I'll even have them up here for us. So you see there, verse 1, is this, the beginning of the gospel, which means good news, um, includes and starts with the bad news, the necessary bad news, okay? And again, we walked through all these before, so if you want to hang on any of them, you can go back and, and hear those, but I'm going to walk through them quickly. The first, um, the first part of the gospel is that we are dead in sin. Apart from God's intervention, we are dead. That's what we bring to the table. That's what we bring to our relationship with him. We're in a state of desperation. And then some of the most beautiful words in all of scripture, um, which show up in different places here in chapter two, verses four through five, but God intervened. We're dead outside of his intervention, thankfully, but God intervenes on our behalf. And then verses eight and nine, as I just referred to, justified by grace alone or has, has historically been referred to as the solas, which is the Latin for, um, for, for like only, okay? Like if you speak Spanish, like solo, right? Like, by, like alone. So by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, we are justified. We are made right with God. We are reconciled to him. We are forgiven and accepted by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Um, Martin L- L- Luther famously said of, of that idea, of that, of this section in scripture, he said, this is the doctrine upon which the church will stand or fall. Okay, so very important for us to understand. Then in verse 10, though, right, we sometimes end it in verse nine. Again, you hopefully you just heard eight and nine, massively important, okay? Saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Well, why, just so we just kind of sit there and, you know, twiddle our thumbs or look at ourselves and kind of go and then wait till one day we're kind of zapped up. No, there, God has a purpose. He has a plan and intention in calling people to himself And this salvation work is that we are saved for good works that God prepared beforehand, to live out the good works that God has prepared individually in our families, in our lives, in our workplace, in our homes, as a church and our community, all these things. He has saved us for the good works that he has prepared for us to walk in. And then verses 13 and 14, those good works are further fleshed out and that he has broken down the wall of hostility. Again, verses eight and nine, f- between us and him, okay, chapter two, verse eight and nine. He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. When Jesus hung on the cross, okay, look at the cross. There's not that little distracting table which I talked about last week, if you remember, or some time ago. Um, But anyway, okay, look at the cross. When Jesus hung on the cross and he declared, it is finished, and then he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. To the the Father, he declared this. Then um, the temple curtain which separated um, the Get all of the people from the Holy of Holies, from the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence dwelt, was ripped in two. And it's very important, it was ripped from top to bottom. It was torn. And this is huge, okay? This isn't like even those dudes that like rip phone books. Are those, is that a thing anymore? I don't know why I'm looking at Elliot. You would probably know that. No? But do you guys know these like the guys that would like could rip phone books and stuff and had these big guns and stuff? Well, that was a while ago at least. But anyway, I went to one of those and actually got prayed for and all this stuff at it but they were but anyway these guys even those guys couldn't rip this curtain okay these are massive strong curtains and it was um again there was significance in what it meant to cross over into God's presence well when Jesus um died on the cross that dividing curtain if you will was ripped in two so we are now reconciled to God through faith in Christ we have access to him And as we see here, the incredible significance of that dividing wall also being broken down between us, cross-culturally, that even Jesus' closest followers um, would have never been found in the same, like around the same table. Like he had, you know, zealots who wanted to take down the Roman government and then tax collectors who were kinda getting a little side hustle from the Roman government, and Jesus called them together to be his people, okay? You you think there would be some hostility there. Yes, but we see that in and through the person and work of Jesus that dividing wall is broken down and it crosses all cultural barriers. And then in verse chapter 2 verse 22 this important beautiful picture of together again cross culturally counterintuitively together God's people are the very dwelling place of God on this earth. That God dwells through his spirit among us. And, that's, and that has eternal and historical significance. And then in chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, we got into this last, um, uh, last week that God's mystery is revealed. That from the very beginning, from even Genesis chapter 12, there's this promise that the entire world would be blessed um, through one name. And then he focused in on one family and this mystery has been building. Well, how's, how's this good news going to be for the entire world and then we see that, again, in and through the person and work of Jesus, the gospel, that that, that is how not only the dividing wall of, of hostility is broken down, but also now um, God's, God's blessing for the entire world would come as people from different backgrounds, from different places, would come together and be one under the name of Jesus. And then, as we'll see here today, verse 10 um, of chapter 3, directly connected to that, all of this is done so that God's people would display the manifold wisdom, his manifold wisdom, to all people, to all spirits, to the entire universe. Okay, so when he says this gospel, that's what he's referring to here is that whole deal. Okay, you can see there, this is the gospel that Paul is referring to that he has been called to be a minister, a herald, to, 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 to live his life for. Okay, this is what we're committed to, right? When we say as a church we are gospel-centered and outward focus, this is the good news of Jesus that we, that we will live and die on. That we will close our doors before we would compromise on any of these truths. That, that, the, that, the, that, the, that the theology of, 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 of Christ and what it means to be his people and to be reconciled and what our lives mean all this. This is the gospel. This is what we talk about. Right now, I want to pause for a moment as we continue on here to kind of have a little bit of a maybe a, a pastoral moment. Kind of a, a shepherding, if you will. Um, because I know over the last few weeks, we've been in some pretty deep stuff together, right? We've been wading through, kind of, you know, picture like walking through uh, like mud, you know, walking, like it's been some heavy stuff. And we've, as we've pressed into these realities of of what it means that God is forming one people cross-culturally and what that means for us here in Tucson, and a few weeks ago, we sang the whole service in our, 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 our music. We sang in Spanish, and, and then um, we, we've talked about the last two weeks specifically what we as a pr- primarily majority culture church, what, what it needs to look like for us to really evaluate what we communicate and how we function and all these things. So some questions could rise in that, right? I've said this phrase that we can all take comfort in knowing we're going to be uncomfortable together, Right? I, I, I've used that phrase. In fact, our very first service ever, um, we, 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 we said that. It was a challenging text then, and we said, I know this is uncomfortable, but, hey, we're all called to be uncomfortable together, and so we can, um, we can, we can grow in this. Now, with that, I want to explain a, a couple things, because some might wonder, well, what does this mean for our church? What does this mean for where we're going? What are we doing? Okay, um, so you have a, a, a couple things, all right? I, I want to make sure that you guys get this here. Where, who are we as a church? Okay, we have our calling, our mission, our vision, and our methods. Okay, so some of those things are not changing and will not change, and then some of them do and will. Okay, so our calling given by God, and there's a lot I could flesh out here with that, but our calling, again, in, in a sense, is to individually respond to Jesus through faith in him. Again, this, 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 this Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine idea that through his grace, his undeserved favor, we respond in faith, which is a transfer of trust, and we, 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 we then enter into being a part of his community, his holy people. That word holy means set apart, that we are now a part of his church, ecclesia, the people of God, and then we gather together and, and then we scatter, and, 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 and then our calling is to be evangelists, to, to proclaim with our words the good news of Jesus, and then to, to, to display with our lives, again, individually and together, in communities, smaller communities, and as a whole, okay, to proclaim and display the good news of Jesus and then to go to all the nations, right? We talked about this last week, crossing different cultures, crossing geographical and um, different cultural barriers with the good news of Jesus and making disciples in Matthew chapter 28 um, in, in, in um, all that we do, right? Calling, and that word disciple means followers, followers. Of Jesus, okay. That's our calling, our mission, our our local Redemption Church. Our 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 mission as part of God's people, right? We pray for other churches and all this. Um, you guys tracking with me? Okay, Amen. All right. I uh, so I just want to make sure that we're all getting this. Our mission is that we exist, okay. So that word mission. So you have a mission and a vision. Any. Business folks in here that like know this language, mission and vision, you, you do str- strategic planning process and things like that, same idea. Um, well, our mission, why we exist, who we are, is we exist to glorify God by strengthening and birthing healthy local congregations. Again, healthy local congregations that are gospel-centered, outward-focused, that are living out the gospel in different communities, all those things. Every one of those words is loaded. If you want to ask more about it, let me know. We have it on our website, different things. But again, we exist to glorify God by strengthening and birthing healthy local congregations. That's not just other redemption churches. That's a lot of what I do throughout the week is connected with this we're relating with other pastors we are a part of something called surge that we um we don't like you know tote this but we actually started surge here into Tucson um, to bring it down and to just bless other churches and to let other churches have a leadership curriculum that we've really learned from and we use a lot and there's all kinds of stuff and so again strengthen and birth healthy local congregations that's our mission our vision right here locally our vision what do we long to see what are we striving for and trusting God for it is that is it is that we will see Jesus glorified and Tucson blessed Okay, Tucson changed. That through all that we do, that the name of Jesus, right, we look ahead to the day where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, that he will be glorified, that, that we long to see him glorified now, right? We, and, and the prayer that he actually prayed in what's known as the Lord's Prayer, right, that we would say, your kingdom come, um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that Jesus is glorified as his kingdom comes crashing in to this broken, Sin, um, sin-saturated world that we live in. And so we wanna see as that happens, as Jesus is glorified, as his good news comes, that the, the, the Tucson has changed. Right that it's blessed that that uh, on all kinds of systems and structures and families that men would start living the way they're called to be that that the, that the epidemic of broken homes and, and men going off and doing their thing and and women you know whatever whatever it might be this this division in, in homes in the schools in in, in in business and commerce and development all these different things, right, that we would see um, Jesus glorified and um, the good of Tucson come as that happens. Okay, all that, everything I just said, okay, hear me right now, look at me, even repeat after me, that will not change. Okay, Our, our, our calling, our mission, our vision is not changing. And then as we live that out, we have our methods. Those change. All right, I mean, you see that they didn't have this kind of thing 150 years ago. So when they had baptisms, they did something else right 150 years from now they'll use something else there's diff- they didn't have amplification i don't know how in the world he did it but charles spurgeon and others would preach in like thousands and thousands of people and god would you know give them the strength to not lose his voice and all these things and yet we have amplification now i don't know that just doesn't happen like our methods right different things we do to carry okay hear me on this the unchanging gospel of jesus christ in consistently changing culture. All right, that's something we have to navigate and so you get there are methods, how we do what we do. All right, we had a bilingual service a couple of, or a predominantly Spanish singing service a couple of weeks ago. And, that, and, and, a, and a ton of this, even as we've talked about, is this, this, again, longing, calling out to God, Lord, allow us to be faithful. Lead us in faithfulness. And then make course corrections as we go and change our methods to most effectively, again, communicate and display the good news of Jesus. Okay, now I also want to recognize this for a minute, kind of a little bit of a, I, I, I once heard it said that being a part of a church plant, which you are, um, if you might not even know it, we're kind of transitioning out of that, we've talked a lot about that, we're no longer a church plant, but I once heard it said that um, being a part of a church plant is like being in the trunk of a drunk driver, right? You're just back there, you're cruising around, and oh, let's do this, oh, hey, sharp right look, Coral, there we go, let's go do that. Like, There are a lot of things as we're going and some of it's good. Um, um, we've, uh, in different conversations, it, we're more freed up to kind of to, to try things. And there's a lot that we do now, even our baptism service, that is very different than the way we used to do it. Okay, so we try not to do that. We don't want to just change just for change's sake. But again, hear me in all that. Because our calling, our mission, and our vision are so clear, we um, want to faithfully and obediently um, carry out our methods um, in different ways to most effectively reach uh, this city of Tucson. Okay, amen? So yeah, I want to make sure, again, I just want to, as we're going through these things, to want to make sure we're on, on the same page here. And all of that now, we'll pick up in the end of verse seven. All of this is to be done as we live out, again, as God's people, we look to Paul here who does this humbly and boldly okay we can be interactive you can look at your neighbor and say humbly and boldly so pick up with me the second part of verse seven right paul is saying these things he says which was given to me by the working of his power to me though i am the very least of all the saints this grace was given to preach to the gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So we see something there, right? On the first hand, if you look at there, um, in the second part of verse seven, all right, Paul says, um, "This was given to me." Right? So it's not, he's not smarter than everyone else. If you know Paul's story, if you were here when we walked through Acts, it's not like he he just found Jesus. Sometimes people use that term. I personally don't like it. I'm not going to like slap you on the wrist for saying it or whatever, but not my favorite. You know, this idea, because in Paul, you see this clear picture of running in one direction away from, from God and then Christ intervening and calling him to himself. Okay, um, and so you see that, that, that this this grace, this calling, was given to Paul, not that he's smarter, better, whatever, stronger, any of those things, but simply um, uh, he he is he has to have no he has no no choice but to humbly carry out this ministry. Right? Because he's been called out, it's been given to him by God. And yet, there's a boldness there. If you read through Paul, you know there's this boldness. He has got a strong spine because it says, by the working of his power... God's power and as you understand again as you read Paul specifically and if you if you understand if you followed the ministry of Jesus who who straight up puts demons in their place these everyone else in the town is terrified this one guy we saw this in Mark is like he's getting chained up he's naked foaming at the mouth he's ripping chains off and he comes up to Jesus and he kind of like snarling and Jesus in the Greek says shut up. All right, he he seriously says that. Sorry if you're in here, kids, it's not okay, it's good. Yeah, earmuffs, not good to say shut up to other people, but Jesus knows a lot and he sees what's going on here and he sees that this demon needs to put in his place and he says, shut up, shut your mouth, get in your place. He has this authority, calms calms, storms, all this stuff, so you get this idea. So now Paul, okay, hear me, okay, because this has direct application to you and me. Okay, just like Paul, we are called, to be ministers of the good news of Jesus. And, and there needs to be a humility, like you see Paul here saying, I'm the least of the apostles, because he was the very last one called. He knows that it, outside of God's intervention, again, going back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he's dead, right? Like dead people don't choose God, don't choose life. Dead people don't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and work their way to heaven, Okay, de- dead people are desperate. And then God intervenes. And you see that humility driving Paul's ministry. But there's also a steadfastness, a power that comes out, a confidence. Again, I referred to him earlier, like one man in, in throughout history, church history, who stood before the most powerful um, man in, in the known world at that time, the Pope, and, and, had the, and, and he was gonna get like a, basically a life or death sentence, Martin Luther, and he was called to recant on some of these things he was bringing, and he said, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. A, a confidence, a steadfastness, Okay, and you see that through Jesus' followers, many that went from terrified little like, you know, dogs with their tail between their legs to emboldened um, proclaimers, heralds of the good news of Jesus. So we see that God's people are called to display his manifold wisdom and we're to do it humbly and yet boldly. Okay, if you, don't ha- if you have humility without boldness, like think about that for a minute. What do you have? You have typically you have passivity, right, pushover, um, maybe, you know, self-deprecating, de- um, you know, something, and it's not real humility. You have boldness without humility. What I think, you have a of, of, of very unstable strength that will eventually be exposed and then come crashing down, but if you have boldness without humility, That means it's based on yourself and all it takes is one injury or one circumstance or or, or something to just all that to come crashing down. But in Christ alone, hear me, through the gospel alone, you can have humble boldness. Scratch that. You will have humble boldness if you rightly understand the good news of Jesus and respond to him in faith. And then lastly, picking up here in verses nine and 10, we see that we are called as God's people again to be a display. Okay, look with me here in verse nine. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. For everyone, this is referring to people. Okay, This is the idea here that we're in a world right now and just think about it right any commercial you watch right anyone here watch TV, right? Whatever it is, like, um, you're like, no, I got Netflix, Hulu, whatever. Okay, well, whatever it is, whatever kind of thing you watch that you have to see commercials or, or you listen on the radio or you drive past a billboard or whatever, it's all a message of saying, here's the solution. And you don't, we don't even know the problems the solutions are for, but it's like, this will meet your needs. This will give you fulfillment. This will satisfy you. This will help you not lose your hair. This will help you live forever, which has not happened yet, right? Jesus alone has died and risen and not not died again, right? So only through faith in him do we have this kind of hope, okay? But everything, right, is saying, hey, we found the fountain of youth. Here's your deal. Here's what you need. Here's your hope. And in many ways, think of it as this. It's as though we're getting um, inundated with messages that are like darts being thrown and, and no one knows where the dartboard is, Okay, it's like there's problems. We all know that. There's, we're all in, in, in a desperate state, if you will, of recognizing, man, something's wrong. Something's not the way it's supposed to be. That's another way to, to define sin, not the way it ought to be, not how God created things to be. Because we all, like sheep, went astray. We all said, no, thanks, God. We'll do it our way. And, and then we're in this desperate place. But the answers that really everyone is looking for are just getting thrown out there, kind of pulled out of nowhere. And yet we see here clearly that the the fulfillment of God's promise from the very beginning, the fulfillment of, of his declaration that he would put an end to the effects of sin is in and through the person and work of Jesus, this mystery that is on display through this cross-cultural reconciled people. And just so you know, again, we've talked about this a ton, but I just want to let you know, this is not inserting into the scriptures here. Like when I say cross-cultural, this is absolutely, if you know this word, exegetically um, what Paul wrote here. His authorial intent is absolutely clear as you read through this and you study through this. He's talking about cross-cultural barriers. That's not in vogue. In fact, uh, it's actually, I think, a massive sin on the church's part for really, in some cases, over over a thousand years of turning a blind eye to the to the clearly um, the clearly written um, intent of God through His Word in this. Okay. So this, this is he's he's talking about. This mystery is on display of Jesus on display. But then down in verse ten, it goes on. So what? Why would he do this? So that through the church, and who's the church? What does that mean? What does church mean? The people of God. Okay, it's not a building. Thank God, right? We don't even have one of those, right? We're in a school right now. So it's not just a building. You don't go to church. We are the church. We go to gather as the church. Okay, so through the church, the people of God, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's this idea again every person, all people, the world around us, the dude waiting at the Boom bus stop that I got to interact with this morning and, and then I got to tell him about our church and got to inv- invite him and ask how he was doing and, and interact with him and, and that the okay, that kind of thing that, that the church, that God's people are are the are the display of his wisdom. To everyone, and then again, here you see to all, all all the rulers and principalities in the heavenly places, we talked about this again i don 't want to keep saying that, but this is a little hey, if you want to catch this stuff, come right, show up on sunday no, but also it 's on the you can go i don 't want to take more time than we need, but just this reality whether in our cultural context here in the West, we tend to be like you know, spirits, demons, angels, whatever. That's kind of, you know, silly stuff. That's like on the Smurfs, if any of you are old enough to know what the Smurfs are, right? A little angel and demon on a shoulder. No, this is like, this is real life, all right? And I'll just tell you, I absolutely 100% assume and believe according to God's word, and in my case, through personal experience, that um, angels and demons are real. So as we, we, and if you weren't here a few weeks ago when we started talking about this and this crazy message came across over during the service, Sermon. Um, two sermons I might point out. The only time it's happened when we've kind of called out the, the futile efforts of, of the antichrist of, of, which is opposed to Christ of Satan and his demons both times like this kind of silly message come on. It's like alright are you serious right now? Um, but, but anyway that's what we assume. But now as I close I want us to understand here. Go back to that idea of God grandstanding who he is. God's character, God's power, God's is the language here is used. His manifold wisdom. All right, look at me again. Do, do you do we understand that we live in a world that is that is trying to answer the question who or what is God? It's everywhere on bumper stickers, on, and everyone, right, have this conversation in your workplace, well, I think this, well, I say, oh, that's cool, I think this, and there's this whole idea, who is God, what is God? I think God, you know, and you see these, all these different uh, futile efforts, I would say, grounded in n- nothing. And yet here we see, based on the death and resurrection of Jesus, no other religion, no other worldview can, 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 can base their message on that. But the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead and is no longer still here, but is ruling and reigning and will has promised to return, based on that truth, we know that, that we can take God at his word. And well, who is God? His message is look at his people, and, and you will see his wisdom, and his power on display. So guys, there's eternal consequence to how we go about this thing. How we function as his church, as his people. How we live, these things we've been digging into and pressing into these uncomfortable, difficult questions of what it looks like to be God's people. It's that we are his display his clearest display, his grandstanding of who he is to a waiting and watching world. Let me read one last quote from a pastor here and an author who who, who helps us drive this home. It says, the wisdom of a plan is seen by the fact that it works. We show the wisdom of God by showing in the church that it is working. The death of Christ was not in vain. It has reconciled us to God. It has broken down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile and other races. It has produced one new body. How many new bodies? One new body. And it has given us the hope of his immeasurable kindness forever. We show the wisdom of God to the cosmic powers by living this way, by being the church. Christ died to create the church is God's display his clearest display of his manifold wisdom to the entire universe okay so let's pray as we consider what it looks like now to live this way as his people heavenly father thank you for this morning we've had this time to be in your word Lord thank you for everything that has brought us all to this place um Lord, I don't know what you need to do or what you want to do among us, Lord, in each and every heart in this room. We see in Psalm 139, you you intimately formed every single one of us while we were yet in our mother's womb, Lord. You know the number of days we will have. Lord, you know the number of hairs on our head. Lord, you know what we need right now. So I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, will open eyes that need to see you. Lord, you will soften hearts that need to respond to you in faith, that need to transfer trust from, from self into you, your very able and very loving hands. And Lord, I pray for us corporately as a church that you will lead us, Lord, to be your display of your power and your wisdom to the entire world.